Welcome, friends. James Corbett, CorbettReport.com. You are tuned into the Corbett Report podcast, and it is the third Monday of the month, meaning, of course, it's time for another edition of Film, Literature, and the New World Order, FLNWO for short, or I suppose you could even try to pronounce that acronym by saying FLNWO, but I don't think anyone seriously would attempt to do so. And we are going to be talking about a very interesting Norwegian mockumentary from the year 2010 this month. It is called Troll Hunter. It is directed by Andre over a doll, and it's starring a num- number of Norwegian actors whose names I will not even attempt to pronounce for fear <laughs> of infuriating an entire nation. Um, but we are going to de- drill the depths of this government conspiracy to hide the existence of trolls, and no less a figure and a personage than Tom Secker of InvestigatingTheTerror.com and SpyCulture.com himself will be along for the ride to help us do so. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, thank you for having me again, James. And I, I think, to be fair, it's pretty difficult to in, infuriate the Norwegians, so we can mispronounce as much as we like. I don't think they'll get angry. It's not really in their character. I hope not. Well, I have only known one Norwegian in my life, and uh, she was not particularly tep- temperamental, so perhaps you're right about that. But yes, um, well, today we will attempt not to piss any of them off with our commentary about their beloved national uh, folklore legend tale of trolls, which of course is woven into the fabric of Norwegian mythology and is very much at the heart of this mockumentary, this found footage mockumentary that uh, is extremely interesting, very, very different from anything we've looked at so far in the FLNWO series. But uh, I'm very excited to talk about this because I have no idea what direction you want to take this in. But Tom, this was your suggestion to me as a possibility for this series. So why don't we start with you? And perhaps you can uh, tell us a little bit about why you selected this movie. Uh, I selected it mostly just because it's got that magical combination of being very silly and very clever at the same time. So I really, really enjoyed this movie. It's right up my street as far as kind of entertainment goes. But it's also because there's a lot of different aspects of this movie that interest me the whole style of the found footage mockumentary or just mockumentaries in general i really love that kind of subgenre of movies because it plays in that interesting uh, middle ground between fly on the wall and if you like reality television and it's kind of it's a mixture if you like of, of what both of those two television formats are doing in a film format i think because it's pretending that what is happening is real, um, just like reality television pretends that something is, hap- that is happening is real. But of course, every mockumentary is made not to talk about the actual subject that's being discussed in the mockumentary, but to use that as some kind of parable or metaphor for talking about things in the real world. So it, it, artistically, structurally, I think it plays around in a very, very interesting space, wouldn't you say? Yes, I suppose I would. Um, To be more prosaic about it, from interviews with the director that I've been reading, the reason that this particular format was chosen was because of the uh, the shoestring budget they were working with, and this was the easiest way of representing what they wanted to get on the screen. But having said that, I think you're right. This is a, a a genre format that really does lend itself to that kind of interplay between fiction and reality and our are, are taking, our blurring of the lines between the two, I suppose you could say. Um, so I, I do find it interesting in that respect. Um, but I must confess, although I do realize this is a 
rather popular subgenre in in American films, specifically in the horror format in this day and age. The only one that I've ever actually seen would be Blair Witch that I would be able to compare this to. Um, uh, but I understand there are others. I'm not sure if you've seen those those other types of movies that other people are comparing this to, but I've heard, for example, Cloverfield. And of course, there are things like Paranormal Activity that attempt to use this type of uh, found footage format as a way of, um, I guess, increasing the terror of the, uh, <laughs> the uh, making it seem a little bit more real, I suppose, is, is part of it. But, um, but I, I don't know how that plays off in this case, because of course, this is, I would say, primarily if not a comedy, it is certainly at least, I think, meant to be taken quite comedically. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's different to Cloverfield in as much as you're right. The whole found footage, the whole fly-on-the-wall reality dimension of Cloverfield is just to try and make you more scared. I mean, to be honest, it it doesn't extend the characterization or the personal drama of the piece because there is no characterization or personal drama. It's an absolutely dreadful film from that perspective. Um the best one in the American tradition that I can think of is a pre-Blair Witch movie called The Last Broadcast, which is 94, 95. And that's another extremely low budget. I'm talking several thousand dollars kind of budgeted movie. That's It's playing around in the same kind of horror paranormal field, but that one has a slightly more, if you like, conspiracy dimension to it in the same way that Troll Hunter does. I find films that when, when they marry those two particular things, the mockumentary or found footage mockumentary type uh, style with a, if you like, conspiratorial or at least government cover-up narrative, uh, I think you get, you get some real magic happening. I, get, I think you get some real interesting and provocative cinema going on as well as some very entertaining cinema so the other one in the tradition that i would recommend people watching is the last broadcast which is some mid-90s movie that's all about the jersey devil um i also think that there is this thing about you have to use um if you're going to talk about conspiracy in a mainstream format in an entertainment format you generally have to go down the if you like paranormal route. So you have to be talking about something like trolls or aliens or UFOs or something. It's very rare that you get a good piece of mainstream entertainment actually talking about real politics, conspiracies. So I understand why that is. And it does kind of bug me a bit that there is a distinct lack of, if you like, real thrillers anymore. But I do think Troll Hunter kind of fills a... It fills a void in terms of entertainment, whether or not it explores the the conspiracy and the metaphor of conspiracy that it is uh, playing around with, whether it explores that fully. You could argue it doesn't. You could argue it maybe fails a bit on that front. Now, you just opened up an interesting can of worms because we're talking about the rather specific sub-subgenre of found footage mockumentaries and dealing with the paranormal and things like that. But you've taken it to another level, the found footage mockumentaries that deal with conspiracy type themes, which which sounds like it would be a very, very limited field indeed. And I must admit uh, ignorance of the last broadcast, which I, I'm now interested in taking a look at. But uh, this, at the very least, I think we could open up the the possibility of similarities to such interesting pieces of media as you recently uncovered on your podcast, in which I linked to in my most recent subscriber newsletter. Um, in Clandestine, your your podcast episode ten, you cover um, 
war games, a, a, a documentary, a, a mockumentary, a, a, I'm not sure what you would call that, uh, that was made in the 1960s, uh, produced by a British filmmaker to simulate, I suppose, a, a nuclear war scenario uh, with the Soviet Union um, attacking Europe. And, uh, and you, you raised some interesting points about that. And I, I suppose there's at least the possibility of some sort of similarity between that format and this one. It's, it's attempting to portray something that uh, that uh, that deals with the idea of of uh, I guess maybe not government conspiracy but at, at any rate something to do with the, the the kind of broader political context in a way that plays with that that uh, notion of fictitious versus reality and and what is this and as you noted in your in your podcast um, back in the mid 1960s the idea of portraying a fictional event in a type of news format uh, in something that people would be more familiar with in a journalistic format must have been kind of more shocking to the sensibilities than it I suppose it is today once we've been exposed to that that idea many many times and and predictively programmed with it many times through a lot of different types of uh, documentaries that air on the Discovery Channel and what have you these days quite regularly. Mm. So so it is interesting to to see that maybe there is some similarity between this idea and and a lot of other um ideas out there that float around that that play with that that space between the fictitious and the real well i I think there are an awful lot of them and i mean the obvious parallel would be with something like uh, the x-files which is clearly aimed at a conspiracy market or a conspiracy audience or whatever you would want to call them um and that mostly deals with the grand ufo conspiracy but they also have the Monster of the Week format. Though I don't remember them ever having any trolls. I don't remember them explicitly yeah. chasing trolls. This is, this is the point where I have to actually admit that I've never in my life seen an episode of The X-Files. <laughs> 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 Which is something I used to brag about, but now I feel uh, almost embarrassed about. Well, maybe then you realize that, um, yeah, you're right, the found footage mockumentary with a conspiracy sub-theme is not a particularly common genre of entertainment. But conspiratainment in general, conspiracy-themed entertainment in general, is quite a big phenomenon um, and quite a mainstream phenomenon now. And perhaps that's the the better way of, of discussing Troll Hunter, because I do feel that the... I imagine the driving force for the people who made it was mostly a kind of fascination with this Norwegian folklore and thinking this would make for quite a entertaining monster movie, if you like. Um, It ended up as, you know, Jurassic Park meets Blair Witch Project, probably because they struggled to get the money, like you say. That's what they've said in interviews. But nonetheless, the fact that they explicitly went down the conspiracy route where you have this young Norwegian, very fresh-faced Norwegian camera crew, a bunch of film students going around trying to find out who this mysterious guy is who has been apparently killing bears but isn't a registered bear killer. Um, I love that part of the movie. It starts out where they're going around talking to various people about this mysterious guy and all of these bear hunters are telling them, oh no, we are properly licensed by the, by the government and we get told how many bears we're allowed to shoot every year and blah, 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 blah. And this guy doesn't seem to be part of that. And it's all very suspicious because he's not conforming to this uh, socialist government uh, that, that you have in Norway. That he's not conforming to all of that administrative structure and everything. And that's why people are finding it suspicious. I found that quite a neat little satirization of the Norwegian government. 
but then when they actually meet up with this guy about i don't know 20 minutes half an hour into the film he reveals to them that yes he is this government sanctioned troll hunter and that he's going around killing these trolls to try and control the population and stop them causing so much damage so the fact that they explicitly chose that sort of conspiratorial narrative i do think speaks well for them because they wouldn't have had to to add in that element to make a silly little film about trolls would they they could have done it without that yeah um yeah it is well yeah it, it certainly does uh, add something different to it and and it's interesting in that particular context to think of why he decides to tell them about this conspiracy is apparently because he's basically fed up with his working conditions and the fact he doesn't get <laughs> overtime pay and and things of that doesn't sort get so he, pay. Yeah. yeah exactly so he decides to tell them about this uh, this grand conspiracy which is kind of an interesting extra element to this and and we don't have to speculate so much about this we can actually bring in the director himself uh, i was reading an interview earlier today and uh, and one of the, uh, the the interviewer asks the director, as far as Trollhunter, there's quite a bit of political subtext in the film, some of which is quite specific to Norway. Uh, do you think that stuff will translate to American audiences? And the director responds, oh yeah, I think it translates very well. I think everyone has this suspicion of gov- the government keeping secrets. And I think actually that that idea is even stronger here than in Norway, this kind of suspicion toward the government. I have myself seen theater audiences here in America reacting very well to the scenes where he starts explaining how it all works out, about him being a worker and he complains about the working conditions and that kind of stuff and the audience laughs very much so i think they totally get it which um which indicates yeah again this was quite a a deliberate and conscious choice on the filmmaker's part to to put this um, political subtext in as as sort of the driving um uh feature of the narrative that, that kind of drives the story along and i think you're right it could have been excised they didn't have to take that particular approach to it but um it's an interesting angle because it does bring the uh, the audience into the story, I think, gradually uh, in a way that you feel like you're discovering it along with the characters. Well, and that makes you, I think, sympathize with the troll hunter character and in particular sympathize with him uh, as a whistleblower because that's in effect what he is. And so I think they, they've made quite a brave movie in some respects because this thing could have failed miserably. It could have ended up coming across as a rather adolescent and immature and silly film that was pretending it was dealing with a serious subject when really it wasn't. Um, But I don't think it does come across as that. I actually think it comes across as a very funny and engaging film that's using the whole troll thing, presumably as a metaphor. Um, Well, I don't know quite what it is a metaphor for, but because the whole theme, it leads into the whole theme of state secrecy, And that it's particularly important in a socialist society to broach the theme of state secrecy because that in a way is the downfall and the major problem of socialist society is that most of them are essentially unaccountable to their people. The idea of having a government that provides services is not, I don't think, is inherently flawed from a practical point of view. It may be flawed from a philosophical point of view. But the problem in practice is almost always that the citizens don't have any real control over this. They're just sort of told, give us your money and we will provide these services. And even if the services are rubbish and not value for money, there's not an awful lot that the people can do. And so I do think it's important in a Norwegian society for Norwegian filmmakers to make a film that broaches the topic of state secrecy and satirizes the socialist government and kind of shows up the absurdity of the socialist government. I do think that's an important and a valid thing for art to be doing. 
Well, absolutely it is. Um, I, I don't know. I struggle with the film because I'm not sure. I understand it certainly presents the possibility of metaphorical kind of statements about politics, but I'm not sure it really is quite as grandiose as that. Um, I think that's maybe just something that they've kind of hung the film on without, uh, without necessarily weaving it into the fabric of what they're doing. And, uh, but I, I do think it does r- leave room for some for very, very, I think, funny and uh, adroit um, pieces of, of telling political theater. For example, when they're uh, leaving one of the bears at the scene to try to cover the tracks as it were for this the uh, the, the official cover that this man is just basically a, a bear poacher and uh, they're they're leaving a bear that doesn't even actually normally reside in Norway <laughs> which goes to show the i think the extent of uh, of the the kind of government um complete uh, uh, what uh, incompetence in the face of of this grand conspiracy that they're running, and yet the conspiracy continues to work perfectly. No one actually calls out the government on these ridiculous mistakes that they make because people are so willing to go along with the actual narrative. I thought that was particularly funny. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right about that. The fact that people are sort of and there's also another bit where um there's this guy from the troll security service going around with uh, bear paws on the ends of sticks leaving bear tracks at the scene and there's one bit where they discover he's actually got them the wrong way around so the bear would have to be walking cross legged in order to leave tracks like that and no one really asks the question and no one really sort of gets angry about this and you're right I think the the satire is, is going both ways. It's going both towards the, the socialist or socialist type government that you have in Norway, but also towards the people for just kind of living with this bullshit and living with this nonsense that they get told. And yeah, I love the fact that um, <clears throat> they, that, that piece of political theatre where you have two Polish guys <laughs> turning up in a van with a dead bear from the wrong country, the wrong type of bear in the back of the van and planting it at the scene. And it's kind of, well, yeah, that's what you get in a socialist government. <laughs> that's, It'll do. you know, that's all <laughs> yeah. you should really expect yeah. is that, you know, it should be done um, cheaply and inefficiently and <laughs> poorly and competently. And they can't even get covering up the troll conspiracy right. But they kind of get away with it precisely because people live with it and people accept it. And so the fact that the conspiracy, if you like, succeeds in the film, that is a narrative point that kind of bothers me a bit. But. I think it does quite successfully put the blame on the fact that no, no one's asking the damn question and that it's so obvious, but still no one's asking the damn questions that they should be asking. And so in terms of where the blame lies for the conspiracy continuing to succeed and continuing to maintain its secrecy, I think they do put the blame, if you like, in the right places. Um, I think that was a narrative point that is successful in the film, if you like. Oh, I agree completely. I think that was that was very successful. But but I, I kind of threw out the idea there that I, I think this is maybe not quite so so strictly allegorical. I don't really see the bigger metaphor, but I'm willing to be convinced if you if you can see how this ties in. I mean, uh, for example, we find out that the reason that the trolls seem to be more angry or, or, or are intruding more into kind of human populations is because they're apparently infected with rabies. It's driving them crazy. I mean, is there anything that we can take from this metaphorically or allegorically that we can read into political context? I think you could interpret that in, in lots of different ways, potentially. I have no idea what their intention was, what, what they wanted us to interpret by rabid trolls. Um, I don't know, sociopaths, perhaps? Uh, any kind of threat, I suppose, 
is ultimately what it represents. It could be an allegory for any of the threats that we're told we're, face, we're facing, whether it be terrorism, climate change, economic collapse, cyber warfare, whatever. Um, it just fits into that category. It could be a metaphor for any of these things, and I don't suppose it necessarily matters which one we right, take it as. Right. Well, interestingly, I mean, if we take it in that way, then it, what's interesting about this is really this is a conspiracy to hide the fact that the government is actually protecting the people from this, this outside force. So in the end, I mean, it's a good thing that the government is doing this, isn't it? Um, is our sympathy supposed to be with the government in this film? I, don't, I mean, you're, I don't you're, get you're that right, sense, in, terms right. the, in terms of the narrative, yeah. that's what's implied, is that um, they are at least trying to do the right thing, even if they're doing it utterly incompetently. Um, but then at the same time, our sympathies, I think, lie more with the troll hunter, and he hears the eponymous titular character, the troll hunter. Our sympathies are supposed to lie with him as much as there is a hero in this film and he says his whole thrust his whole narrative arc his whole character projection in the film is that maybe there needs to be a change in troll management maybe there needs to be a, a different way of doing this and therefore publicizing it and making this public knowledge is one way to try and accomplish that and if our sympathies are supposed to lie with him then presumably that is the ultimate underlying philosophy of the film that there needs to be a change in troll management all right, let's 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 run with that for a little while. So, I mean, I suppose we could read into that in, in sort of a political context, the idea that there are these threats out there that the government is protecting us from, and maybe we'd rather, a lot of people would rather not know what, what that threat is or how they're being protected from it, just sort of leave the government to do its thing behind the scenes and don't don't worry me about it. And and I mean, that, that plays very much into what's uh, playing out right now with the, the whole NSA spying story. And, and the, I think one of the ways in which the, uh, people who are not so concerned about this and its implications would uh, would dismiss that is by saying, well, look, there's there's a terror threat out there and the government is protecting us and uh, I have nothing to hide, so I don't care what the government's doing behind my back about this. And uh, I mean, in that respect, I suppose we could say that the uh, the NSA spying is is akin to this government program to try to keep the trolls at bay. Yes, we could. We certainly could say that. I'm not quite sure. Sorry, where are you going? With this? I don't know either. I I really don't know. So what what's what what are we left with at the end of this film? I mean, I suppose we have the the workers in this program who are bucking, trying to buck the system, and are uh, unhappy with the way that it's being done. So they want some exposure for this. Um, is that an Edward Snowden analogy? I mean, I I honestly don't know where we can take this, but I'm just trying to see if there are some some parallels or some some allegories that we can read into this and see you know what we can learn about the situation from it. Um, yeah, I think you could see a, a parallel with Snowden or any other whistleblower for that matter. And one thing that does strike me that is a bit of a letdown in this film is the implicit. Uh, if you like, reformist attitude, that it's like, it's not that there's necessarily a problem with the government protecting us from trolls or whatever threat we might interpret the metaphor of trolls as being. Um, it's not that there's any fundamental problem with that. It's that it is being done too secretly and there needs to be more accountability and blah, 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 blah. And it's all still very much within this quite mainstream dialogue of politics that you still need a government and a state and that that's how you defend yourself against threats. Um, like I say, he's talking about a change in troll management. He's not talking about a fundamental shift in the way we're conceiving of this as a threat. So 
I see a lot of that in the fallout from the Snowden thing. Most of the people who are really pushing Snowden as a hero and all of these, you know, marches saying, thank you, Ed Snowden, for, you know, getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to spy on people. Um, a lot of the people involved in that are that exa- are embracing that dialogue. It's all that there's nothing fundamentally wrong here. It's just that we need to reform it and make it work a bit better. And I understand that sort of political pragmatism. I just think that ultimately it always fails. Ultimately it always ends up with the reform to either being, either failing to get manifested, failing to become law or, or actually be manifested in the real world, or it ends up being twisted and turned into something else. So you have a lot of people championing this particular cause and it ends up creating another part of government that's actually doing something far worse than the original problem was. Right. So, yeah, yeah it does embrace that dialogue and that is an element of the film and indeed of political dialogue that extremely concerns me and that I can't find myself agreeing with and can't find much to be positive about in that particular part of the dialogue. Mm, I agree. I think this would have been a much more interesting uh, story if it turns out at the end that the government is actually in some way creating the trolls or something like that, but I suppose that would be a little State too... State-sponsored trolls. Yeah, exactly. False flag trolls. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if false flag is the right analogy to use there, but um, no, a- absolutely. I think that would be perhaps a little too political for, for this type of film. But no, um, I see what you mean. And I, I do agree with that, that that is kind of the unsettling underlying premise of all of this. It's great that the government's doing this. They should just be doing it more openly. Uh, um, which, I mean, one, another interesting aspect of this when we think about it with this uh, troll hunter, um, Hans, <coughs> he really comes across as a pretty much... I, I, I'm sure there, in the in the framework of this story, there must be other troll hunters out there. There must be many more of them, but we only ever get to see this one Hans who ha- runs pretty much uh, autonomously. I mean, there, there doesn't seem like he has a lot of interaction. <coughs> excuse me, with his government handlers per se. He just meets them kind of after the fact. But he seems to be out there in the field doing it all pretty much himself, and uh, taking enormous risks in doing so. And one gets the impression that you you almost wonder why there is a giant government program behind this. It seems like you could have individual kind of ragtag bands of, of uh, autonomous uh, troll hunters that could do this themselves. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's something that inherently needs some sort of big government program to do this, other than the fact that they want to keep it secret. No, and of course the, the irony, or the, the absurd irony of, of what he's doing is that he's basically going around flashing lights at these trolls. Most of these trolls are just... I don't know, allergic to sunlight or something? What is it? They can't process vitamin D or whatever. And so what happens is whenever you flash enough uh, light at them, they either turn to stone or explode. So it's not like this is some kind of high-tech weaponry you would need to confront this problem. And there again, I think you have a metaphor for the real world that we don't need some kind of radical new technology or some kind of, I don't know, radical overthrowing of the entire system of society. What we actually... I suppose need is ordinary people to believe in believe in themselves and believe that they can create the solutions for themselves without having to resort to some kind of extreme measure. Mm. <clears throat> like you say, you could have several freelance gangs of troll hunters riding around with lights, flashing them at the trolls and taking care of the troll problem. Um, it's not like it would need some kind of grandiose system behind that. And there again, I think you're right to highlight that you do have essentially this one guy he says he's the only troll hunter. Oh, he says that he's the only him. troll hunter for, for the whole of Norway. Oh, okay. I didn't notice that. Um, and yeah, but yet you have this whole department and this whole infrastructure and administration 
administration behind him. The, I think there again, that's a satirical. I don't know. Of, you I, know guess, I guess it's just in socialist government, right? Isn't it? That they end up creating entire departments <laughs> yeah. to solve one specific problem, right? For essentially one employee. Um, but I, I guess it's just a, a, a fluke of the translation. But in English, I guess it's the Troll Security Agency (TSA). So <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> little parallel right there. Uh, yes, yes, that is amusing in itself. Because, um, of course, the TSA is also keeping us safe from those those dastardly trolls that are out there attempting to board the flights. Mm, mm. Um, although there is no airports in this. No, it, it's, uh, all, it's, it's, not all, really it's all very hilly. It's yeah. also a very beautiful countryside in this film. I really do hope that people go and watch it. I hope they don't listen to this and just think it's <laughs> yeah, I know. I think they might get the wrong impression. Crazy film. Why right. the hell are they talking about it? Yes, we should make very clear this is not a really political film. I mean, we're, we're obviously reading into it quite a bit here, but uh, we're just trying to tease out some of the ideas. Well, uh, let's bring it back to a different aspect of this, because we talked uh, at the beginning about the blurring of the, the fiction and reality that's inherent in this in this subgenre of filmmaking. And I, I again, uh, it's not exactly along the same lines, but something that immediately occurred to me when you were talking about that, especially with the sub-subgenre of, of mockumentaries that uh, that have the conspiracy angle to them, um, something that immediately occurred to me was um, something called Alternative 3, I believe that was the name of it, which was a uh, uh, an edition of a science uh, program that aired on British television, I believe in the 1970s. I don't have this pulled up in front of me, so I'm going to get some of these facts wrong. But uh, perhaps you, you can fill in some of the, the spaces. But uh, uh, as one of the, I believe, their final episodes, um, which was to air on April Fools of whatever year it was, 1974 or whatever, they, they aired a uh, hour-long documentary. It was supposed to be a, a documentary. And it, this was a serious show that aired serious themes week after week. But on this final edition, which was an April Fool's episode, they aired a one-hour episode um, exploring the secret space program, which um, had apparently been in existence for years and had uh, American and Soviet cooperation in exploring the solar system. And in fact, they had already landed people on the moon, it's, uh, uh, sorry, on Mars, etc., and uh, and the uh, the documentary ends with some found footage of the actual touchdown on Mars, which they were revealing for the first time. And um, <clears throat> at no point did they let on this is an April Fool's. At no point did they say they're trying to kid the audience. Um, there are, I think, some subtle clues embedded in there, but uh, they don't actually um, say it outright. And interestingly enough, they, uh, the station was, of course, flooded with calls from callers afterwards trying to find out more information about what they'd just seen because people were just blown away by this. And uh, I know it's not really along the exact same lines. That was more of a kind of, I guess, mockumentary than a found footage mockumentary. But it does bring up that issue of, of the, the blurred lines of, of fiction and reality, which clearly Troll Hunter isn't trying to do. It's not trying to convince anyone that this is real. But it does end with that interesting clip of the prime minister, um, you know, using the word troll, talking about trolls and the existence of trolls and kind of a surprised person behind him, you know, picking up on the word. And uh, apparently that is actually from a real press conference that the prime minister of Norway was giving, um, although he was talking about a, an oil field, which apparently was called the troll field. Um, so <laughs> they kind of edited the audio a little bit to make it. Um, kind of fit in with their movie, but um, but it, uh, just an interesting little way that they play, I suppose, on that theme of of kind of the the, the fiction slash reality of this. Well, I've I've never seen that 1970s show that you're talking about, and I didn't I didn't actually know about that. But you're right; it does fit in with all, all of these things we're talking about. And you could also compare uh, the War of the Worlds broadcast as well. I mean, that was a sort of appears to have been some kind of experimental psyop 
rather than a entertainment movie, um, an entertainment broadcast. But you can see all of a, a thread running through here where there are people playing on the fringes of reality and using media's ability to recreate something that looks and sounds as real as news footage and news media does and using that to different effects to be honest um as you say in my in the latest episode of my podcast i talked about the war game this 1965 kind of fake documentary of some sort but the purpose of that film very much seems to be to warn people about the realities and the horror of what nuclear war would really look like and ultimately to convince them of unilateralism of, of dismantling the nuclear arms industry um and I agree with that. I completely agree with that as a conclusion. So I can see in that film, it's somewhat a somewhat rare example, but you can use these techniques, these artistic techniques and media techniques for to advance positive values and positive ideas and good things. Mostly they are used, I think, to, if not necessarily advance bad things, at least to confuse people, to kind of plant a few ideas in their head and shape in the classic sense of predictive programming, to shape their perception of the forthcoming future um, and the immediate future. But you can use them for all sorts of things. And there is, of course, that... Uh, was it a French mockumentary that's all about Stanley Kubrick faking the moon landings? Yes, That indeed, I can't right. remember the name of. Yes. Uh, I can't... Uh, Dark Side of the Moon or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, some, something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, and that... That would be, to my mind, the flip side of Troll Hunter. Similar sort of film, very similar sort of film. But that one is clearly a... It's directly taking jibes at the whole conspiracy movement. Not that there aren't criticisms to be made. There are lots of criticisms to be made. But I didn't feel that that film made any of them. It seemed to be more just a sort of mocking, snide, sardonic dig at conspiracy theorists more than anything else and kind of taking the mick out of them for being naive and believing anything that they see um i have no strong opinion about the moon landings themselves so i suppose i don't have any i don't really have any great stock in the subject of that movie but i didn't like the way that i didn't like the attitude uh that it had towards its subject matter and i didn't think that it accomplished anything good Whereas I do think Trollhunter does. I do think Trollhunter at heart is quite a positive movie. It is making some very valid criticisms and some very valid, asking some very valid questions, albeit shielded in a rather absurd narrative. Well, then I guess I have to ask, what really is the takeaway from Trollhunter, other than just an entertaining film? What, pe what do you think people should be, should be getting from this? What, what does it actually accomplish? Um... Well, two things. There is the rather obvious subtext of satirizing and making criticisms of the way socialist governments tend to respond to crises, the socialist response to the politics of fear. Um, not that I think the capitalist response to the politics of fear is any better, but nonetheless, this film is certainly about the governmental socialist response, uh, that that is a dramatic and absurd failure that doesn't deal with the problem and brings with it so much baggage that it simply isn't worth bothering with anymore. There is also the more, if you like, artistic takeaway, which is that, like I say, you can use all of these things. You can use predictive programming 
for good. You can use mockumentary for good. You can use blurring the line between fiction and reality for good. Um, and I think this film, on balance, does. And so it serves as quite a good example to people of that, that you can make both a very, in my mind, entertaining movie, but also one that has a relatively serious and relatively well-thought-out subtext. I'll go with that. I, I, I would say this for, falls obviously more into the conspiratainment category that you, that you mentioned earlier than, than any type of, you know, documentary, mockumentary. I think it, it's less about that than it is about the entertainment side of it. But I think, yes, there are some interesting themes within this that can be teased out. Um, but on that note, I mean, I, I don't think I have a whole lot more to say about the movie other than that, unless there's any other aspects of this that you wanted to bring up. No, other than just wanting people to go and watch it, because, like I said at the top, I really like this movie. All right. Well, I guess we will leave that side of the discussion there. But as I say, um, I do hope people will check out your recent podcast episode, because I thought that was a particularly interesting aspect of it. It is something that I've pondered quite a bit and wondered about. Um, it, we all know predictive programming to uh, condition us towards um, things that we we would otherwise not want and, and towards a future that we don't want to be a part of. But what is the flip side of that? Can you be predictively programmed in a good way? Is there is there a positive side of that? And you do explore that in your latest po uh, podcast, so I hope people will check that out. Of course, I'll put the link to that and to all of the other things that we've mentioned in today's uh, podcast in the show notes for today's episode. And I guess we will leave it there for uh, for today. Tom Secker, thank you once again for your time. I do appreciate your uh, your, your your input and your feedback. Uh, thank you, James. As always, pleasure talking to you. All right, friends, there he goes. Tom Secker, once again, investigating the terror.com, spyculture.com, and the clandestine podcast. Again, all those links will be in the show notes for this episode. And on that note, if anybody has any thoughts out there of their own to share about Troll Hunter, by all means, send them in through the contact form at corporatereport.com, and I'll be happy to share them with the audience at the end of next month's edition of this podcast series. Speaking of which, I guess I should get, give everyone their homework assignment for next month. Next month, we have a very, very, very good guest lined up for you all. I'm very excited to talk to him. I will leave it at that for now, mystery guest, but I will let you know about what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be discussing the Oliver Stone films uh, Wall Street and the Wall Street 2 follow-up Money Never Sleeps from 1987 and 2010, respectively. I guarantee you it's going to be an interesting conversation, so I'm very much looking forward to that on the third Monday of next month. Again, the links to those movies will be in the show notes in case you need uh, some reminder of what they are. And on that note, I'm looking forward to talking to you all again very soon. And once again, there is a podcastumentary coming up this weekend on the 100th anniversary of the Federal Reserve. I hope you're all looking forward to that as much as I am myself. And until later, I am once again thanking you for joining me and talk to you again soon. <laughs>